0: Your reaction when that one threw the upright. He's an ice man. He's he's
1: got ice water his many. You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to episode eight of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. I'm here with my partner in crime, Matt Hartwell. Matt, 11 and 0. How you feeling, man? Oh my god, dude, I had to like climb down off of a uh, like cardiac
0: arrest episode yesterday. I was like standing in front of the television screen, pacing, doing all of the uh up and downs, you know, I mean associated with that that's uh comes with whenever we're in a tight game like that at the end. So I'm feeling great to be 11 and 0 but uh oh my gosh still
1: heart pounding from uh the last series of events. Yeah, I can I can tell you that I was not a pleasurable or ple- pleasant person to watch this game with. Uh, uh uh you know, my wife and my daughter were the only people with me and I feel bad for them because it was just not um uh, uh, you know the the outcome the w is nice we're undefeated that's nice but um michigan 19 illinois 17 last second field goal to win it illinois is a good team they were seven and three coming into the game and so when you just take all of that into consideration it's a really good win and a really positive uh piece of the puzzle for for michigan but if you if you saw how we got there, which we did, it was like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong in this game. The calls, the turnovers, the injuries, um, and there's really no other way to lead this show off than to talk about Blake Corum going down with a knee injury. So our our Heisman hopeful uh, star player, uh, really the guy that gets like 80% Eighty percent of the offense on a, on a game by game basis. I mean that that might be a little high, but you know what I mean. It feels like about eighty percent of our offense comes from Blake Corum every game. And uh, late in the second quarter, it, Michigan was about to go up fourteen to three. We were we were driving with ease. Really, it was like it was. I, I think you would agree with me. We were going to get into the end zone. About to be fourteen to three. Which which, given the nature of how Michigan plays, it was like okay, we're in complete control. Uh, we'll probably take take advantage of this and take off in the second half like we typically do. But then Corum goes down. He clutches his knee. It doesn't look good. It was one of those weird kind, like there was some contact, but it looked like the injury happened during kind of a non-contact part. And so uh, that's always sketchy because you don't know what's going on inside that knee and then he just just to add uh insult to injury he fumbles the ball which is something that Corum does not do right he fumbles the ball we turn it over and then all of a sudden we've got ourselves a game um and we were down late for the first time in the fourth quarter we were down uh and and there was just a lot going on uh that that uh was stressful and and so I don't know, man he walked up he walked off under his own power, even came back in in the second half for a play or two, which which was incredibly encouraging. they They clearly decided to shut him down um, entirely because they didn't put him back in even when we were potentially about to lose the game. And so all Michigan faithful right now are holding their breath, hoping that we can have quorum uh, for the Ohio State game, a healthy quorum, because he was a little banged up last year. And then we're hoping we can get Donovan Edwards and some of these other guys back as well. So what are you thinking, man? Are you thinking we get a healthy... Uh, we'll start with the running backs. Do you think we get a healthy Edwards and Corum against the Buckeyes? I do, Mike. And uh, I think really a lot of these guys, I
0: believe, uh, kind of reserves everything in the tank for, for next week. You know, you saw uh, Mike Morris and Schoonmaker down there, uh, practicing, even the sideline reporter from ABC had said at, uh, at some point, like coming back from a commercial break that Mike Morris, uh, like specifically referenced next week for Ohio state and that he was cleared to play for the day. But with, uh, that matchup looming, I think if there was any, even the slightest bit of concern that they, uh, might not be able to go to just, Sit, leave it out in the tank, but I think those two guys, uh, Scootmaker and Morris, are definite goes. I would not be surprised in the least. I'm expecting them to suit up just off of my own personal thoughts. Um, Donovan Edwards, I don't know. They always keep him very much a mystery, uh, so who knows? Um, but I think for the most part, we we get into Ohio State uh, healthy, and I also think we'll see Coram out there. Like you said, we saw him leading the second half. It was very encouraging to see him get a carry. Uh They said x-rays came back negative, so uh, my thoughts are that, again, they held him out for next week. Also, just considering the circumstances, even if we would have uh lost the game at Illinois, this is the fucked up, Thinking that the CFP committee works within, but they, uh, they probably would have still allowed like a one loss Michigan or Ohio State in if they would have dropped this game and then beaten the other, uh, the following week. That's just my thoughts, but I, I think that an argument could have been made that, uh, that next week's game was even more important than this week to an extent, um,
1: injury wise. Well, I agree with you entirely because it, theoretically, Ohio State could have dropped that game to Maryland or we could have dropped this game to Illinois and then beaten Michigan or Ohio State in the game and then won the Big Ten. And you, and you know that that one-loss team gets in, right? There, There's no way that that one-loss team doesn't get in. Um, but, uh, you know... There's a lot of scenarios where the loser of this game could get in, right? And that's where the way that we showed up against Illinois and the way that Ohio State showed up against Maryland might come into play. Um, we're going to get into the national landscape a little bit and what that means. We had a lot of close games. If there's anything to hang our hat on as Michigan fans, is we were not the only team that looked like they were struggling this week. Um, and we came out with a W, thank God. Not everybody did. We'll talk about that um but you know you just back on the injuries you mentioned you know Mike Morris was out uh Donovan Edwards was out Luke Schoonmaker was out and Trevor Keegan was out um Schoonmaker and Morris I agree they were they were there they were dressed they were ready to go it kind of seemed like they could have played had we needed them um but they just I, I mean we technically we did need them and and but we kept them out anyway but you know you could see Mike Morris and the post game interview jumping around smiling in uniform like that doesn't strike me as a guy that's gonna miss the Ohio State game. you know what I mean and uh Schoonmaker is valuable as he is uh Colston Loveland came in and looked pretty damn good like the the future is bright at the tight end position uh Mike Morris being out. I mean, that was, that was huge because we could not get to the quarterback. We could not get, I mean, the, and, and Illinois is like, it's a Brett Bielema team, right? Like, this is not the Illinois of old. This is more like, it's more like playing Wisconsin, right? Like, they got the big uglies, offensive line, defensive line. But man, Mike Morris being out made it impossible for us to do anything, uh, which I was surprised about. Uh, Illinois' front line appears to be actually better than Ohio State's. And so heading into next week, I think guys like Iabioki, uh, we saw Mason Graham had a little bit of success against Illinois, especially in the first half. I think we're gonna see those guys have some success. Um, but before we get to the game balls, uh, you and I are gonna are gonna hand out three game balls each. I wanna touch base on the offensive play calling, right? Because we've gotten to a, a point as as Michigan fans and and, and you know people watching the game that have a vested interest in Michigan where it's almost gotten ridiculous, right? Like the, the running up the middle on third and seven, eight, nine, the, the quorum and Edwards going out and then just saying, okay, we've got all this talent all over our field. And what's our, what's our game plan that we came out with? It was, it was like, we're just going to run, run the whole offense through CJ Stokes. like, and i got nothing against cj stokes the dude's a stud but why why the hell would you i mean i get i get the the idea of we've got a good offensive line this is who we are it's our identity next man up and we're just going to do what we do but but like come on man like like we got jj mccarthy who has been up and down but but has a very high ceiling uh we've got some playmakers on the outside like when you're down to illinois at home on senior day like don't put all your eggs in the cj stokes basket you know what i mean and so I, I i'm happy that we're 11 and 0 i'm not one of these people that thinks i'm just smarter than all the coaches but i but i have to just voice my opinion here it's like it seems a little bit excessive at this point um that we just continue to refuse to go away from this this power run game even when the game dictates that we should do something else. I don't know. Am I, am I just being greedy here or is like, do you, do you agree with that assessment?
0: No, I absolutely agree with that assessment. And I was right there with you in my frustration tier for continuing to just try to pound the rock with CJ Stokes and poor CJ Stokes man was just getting lit up by Witherspoon on Illinois just a uh running back spy type play because they knew that all we were doing was continuing to try to pound the rock with this third string running back uh and it just was not working and like I felt bad for CJ Stokes uh, them trying to give him Blake Corum type carries in a workload when uh he he's not the guy for that at this stage in his uh his career he he's not the guy to run the offense through. I mean, Blake Corum is a Heisman candidate for good reason. It's not only because of the offensive line. Uh, you know what I mean? So it was definitely the opportunity to kind of open it up a little bit with the offensive play calling and, um, which I mean, to their credit, we, we tried to do a little bit, which we'll get into that as well. I've got a lot to say about that too, but um i mean play calling was definitely a part of it it's not just on the players it's not just on anything it's just on trying different things that we know have worked earlier in the season that we're kind of abandoning for reasons that i haven't figured out yet but again i'll get more into that later in the show
1: yeah and they went away from it when it was more predictable to go away from it right like they did try to air it out at times but it was it was so obvious that they were about to do that, right? Like I'm thinking quorum gets banged up, come out in the second half, throw it on first, second, and third. Like just just throw like, you know what I mean? Just sling it around. JJ's gonna hit one of those three, right? And and, and like that's all you need. And it it just it it was a little uh disappointing and and you know, just I love watching Michigan. I'm a I'm as big of a fan as as you get, and I support the team and the coaches and the staff and everybody. But man, it is just tediously boring to watch that. Uh, you know when it's Corum and he and he puts a jump cut in and he goes for forty. It's like, all right, that's our style. Let's do it. But if we're gonna start doing that with our third, fourth, and fifth running back, like I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna work, quite frankly. And so, all right, well, let let's move on. Uh, let let's hand out some game balls because. Um, I don't want to complain too much. We're, we're literally undefeated. We're uh, back-to-back 11 win seasons for the first time since 2002 and 2003. And that's 1902 and 1903. I um, thought I'd slide that in there. And uh, so it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine right now. I mean, it really is. And so let's hand out some game balls. I'll let you do the honors and get started. Who is your first game ball for the win over Illinois? Well, uh, my first game ball, Mike is
0: obviously without a doubt, Jake fucking Moody. Um, the man himself on senior day. I'm just like, so happy. I'm like right up here for Jake Moody because uh, four for four on the day, you know what I mean? And in a windy environment, didn't phase him one bit right down the middle every single time. Uh, if there was one thing I was confident in going into any of those shenanigans from yesterday, it was that Jake booty was going to hit that game winner at the end of the game. But, um, I mean, that was my first game ball without a doubt, just uh, incredible effort from him. And on senior day, I, I don't know if you saw any of the clips on social media, but, uh, you could tell that to, for him to be in the big house for the last time, it meant a lot to him. So uh, seeing that clip posted by Michigan football the day before and then getting to see him hit that game winner on in the big house on senior day and then run into the locker room and get
1: mauled by all of his fellow uh, players, I felt like up here for that guy. I'll give you one hint who my first game ball is going, going for. He's an ice man. He's, he's got ice water in his veins. Jake. So Mun- deserving. Jake Money Moody. I mean, there's there's just no way you're gonna give a uh, a game ball away in this game and not give it to Jake Moody. I mean, he. I forget. I'll probably mis misquote this, but uh, I believe he just became the the leading the field goal kicker in Michigan history. I think I think in this game he either surpassed or tied. To become the uh, you know the most field goals in Michigan history, and he's just been such an asset to have. I remember when we had Quinn Nordine and Jake Moody. I think it was his freshman year, and we would kind of go back and forth. And then he emerged his sophomore year as the guy, and then the Lou Groza Award winner as junior season, and now he's he's making kicks that are just keeping us alive. And he's you know he's had these four or five field goal performances and. I wish he didn't have those, quite frankly. I wish, I wish all we saw from him was extra points, but because the offense has gotten uh, slowed down and stopped in the red zone, Jake Moody kills it. Uh, he's our second ever double game ball on the Big House Bleachers podcast. Coram got two of them last week. Moody gets two of them this week. Uh, hit me with your second game ball.
0: I'm going to hit you with my second, but also I'm just not even going to be surprised, Mike, if all of our game balls are just the same people just because this game was one of those back and forth slug fests where like there wasn't any real standout superstars, but there was a few. And the second one that I'm going to give my uh, mind to is Colston Loveland, Uh, just again, rock solid in Schoonmaker's absence not only uh for for reeling in the key catches that he needed to make but also he got that key um that key little uh push or whatever you want to call it on uh on Illinois that allowed Isaiah Gash to convert on fourth down uh don't fucking know what Isaiah Gash was doing in there on that critical play call in that scenario But he uh, redemption for him, Uh, he did amazing uh, converting on that. But Colston Loveland picked up a key little block after picking up initial contact from from the Illinois defender right there that allowed that whole thing to happen. So uh, Colston Loveland, great game. They're asking a lot of him this year, and uh, he's doing great.
1: We're not talking about that block. Matt, wait, no, we're not. We're not going to talk about that block because Illinois fans are are uh, complaining that that was a, a little a little pick pass there. And, oh, fuck it, them! That's yeah. totally illegal.
0: <laughs> and the, they the need one, to talk to Braylon Edwards in uh, the comments of wherever I saw him on Twitter. He knows his shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I tell you what, uh, we're not going to have all all three of the same game balls here. So my second game ball, uh, it is going to go to J.J. McCarthy. And the reason I'm giving it to J.J. McCarthy is, you look at the stat line, not nothing special, right? He actually struggled quite a bit. I mean, he, he's been up and down kind of all season, and, and a lot of that's the receiver's fault. It's been well documented on this podcast how the receivers have played a role in that. But, I mean, he's missed some guys too. He missed Colston Loveland on that. Uh, obvious touchdown late in the game that I mean that was one of the worst throws we've seen out of JJ so far um, but the reason JJ gets a game ball is is very simple leadership right he stayed connected to the game he he was calm cool collective he led the team uh, got us in position to get that field goal that we needed and um, in my opinion jj has a very very bright championship ridden future um in in college and probably in the nfl because of his mentality and because of his leadership skills and so jj gets my second game ball
0: excellent choice i thought um mm, i was angry at jj a little bit in this game he uh Had some costly mistakes, but that dude is just like, that's my quarterback. You know, he's a warrior. He got down there like on that first series on the big quorum run, picked up a huge block and uh, or whatever you want to call it. He got in that dude's way and uh, he got laid out in the process. But there's not uh, many quarterbacks that you see that are willing to get down and dirty for their football team. He made a couple uh, key overlooks on Colston Loveland back-to-back, uh, back-to-back plays. Isaiah Gash ended up not uh, catching one of them, and uh, and I was pretty upset about that. It seemed pretty obvious. There were also a few other receivers. He just needs to get better at recognizing what's in front of him and his awareness on the field. But if he can narrow that down... He's got the ability to be an elite quarterback in college football.
1: I hear you loud and clear, and I was uh, infuriated with him for a, a large portion of this game. But I think that's why I, I think that's why he earned this game ball is because there's a lot of ways to win. Um, in Illinois, say what say what you want about how good of a team they actually are. Statistically, they're a top three defense. And so you you don't this late in the season you don't become a top three defense if you're not at least a top ten or fifteen defense right like they've they've earned the 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 credibility of of being an elite defense and so it, it, in games like that you just got to find a way to win as a quarterback you just got to find a way to win and so yeah he missed Colston Loveland but. You know he he hit Isaiah Gash in the hands on you know a, a similar play that was obviously going to be a touchdown right. Uh, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Andrew oh, Anthony there's, bomb. You there's know, a like lot the, that is
0: not on JJ that right? I will not hear it shit about. So
1: and so that that you know just those couple of plays right there. You then you got t- two seventy five yards and two touchdowns and that that game looks and feels a lot different from the quarterback perspective. And so I'm going to give him a break. Uh, and, and cause he led the offense and we, and we got the win. So, so yeah, my second one goes to uh, JJ McCarthy. Who is your third game ball?
0: Third game ball is going to go to uh, Blake Corum, you know, um, got to give it to him again. Just a warrior, a uh, boring, boring pick, you know, obviously, but cut uh, the fight in that guy to run out of the tunnel Michigan nation was like on edge after that injury, you know, like above all else, I think everyone just really wanted to know that he was all right. So to see him rack up like over 150 all purpose yards or whatever it was, uh, cause he did have a pretty a good reception for like 20 something odd yards. Um, and then rush for over a hundred before going down in the second quarter uh, so just all, all of it, you know, and then coaching the guys up on the sideline like the guy is a Michigan Wolverine through and through. Uh, I can't not give it to him in this game because he even in only playing one half just amounted to to so much
1: for the team. Well, he kept his Heisman hope hopes alive, right? He over 100 and a touchdown like he's he's done that in every Big Ten game. And uh, he did that in a half right like this this actually could have been could have become one of his Heisman statement performances right and you know typically you can't just double a half and say that's what it would have been but theoretically that could have been 200 yards and two touchdowns right like and then and then given what happened to the other Heisman candidates around and then around the country this week i think he would have been the clear favorite at that point so um great pick um, my third game ball, and this is going to be a little bit of an unexpected one, but uh, again, I'm going with because there, wa- there weren't so many great statistical performances, I'm going with kind of like some qualitative measures here. I'm going to give my third game ball to Isaiah Gash because this dude is technically fourth, right? Fourth string running back. And he came in and he dropped a ball that was so crucial that that would have given us what we needed to ice this game and it was uh i you know i was in full meltdown mode i, I don't even want I, i'm glad there was nobody recording me watching the game because i don't even want to know the words that were coming out of my mouth at that point and he came back and was in the game when we desperately needed that fourth down conversion and he pick, he picked it up right if if he doesn't pick up that fourth down Michigan loses the game period All, our entire undefeated season hinged on Isaiah Gash coming back and catching a, a pass that was not dissimilar from the pass that he dropped right it was like different side of the field a little bit of a different formation but it was still you know kind of one of those uh, screen type style passes and he he caught it he brought it in he got the first down And he kept our undefeated season alive. And so for that reason, Isaiah Gash, congratulations. I did not expect you would be the one getting a game ball, but I'll give you my third game ball uh, for this game.
0: And he got out of bounds, which was amazing. You know, um, Michigan just managed that last uh, series so beautifully. And, you know, Coach Harbaugh had a plan. It always seems like he's got a vision for how these these games are going to pan out the last couple of years. You know, it it obviously didn't pan out that way in some of the big games and uh, in some of his middle years here at Michigan. But these last couple of years, you know, he's just got a vision for how this game is going to go. And he does, in instances such as this, what it takes to win the game. And uh, and he knew Isaiah Gash was the guy for that. And uh, uh, that's an excellent pick. You know, I was one of those guys that was screaming at the TV also uh hating on Isaiah Gash but I was like gash yes after he uh he recorded that uh that first down and saved our asses so incredible
1: pick buddy well and you know what's interesting Matt uh out of the 6 game balls that we handed out not a single one of them went to the defense and you can say without a doubt the defense had a better game than the offense right and so I want to give props to the defense because they played great. And I want, I want to give a little shout out to DJ Turner. He, uh, he made a tackle on four on a Illinois fourth down attempt that, uh, was not an easy tackle to make and really redeemed. You know, he's, he's taken a lot of criticism from us on this podcast, rightfully so, right. He's had, he's had some struggles this year. He came up big. This could be a very different game. If, uh, if he doesn't make that tackle and, and, You know, there were a lot of plays like that in this game that the entire game could have been different had one or two things unfolded differently. So props to the defense. Uh, They had another really strong game. Um, Let's move on to to what's the deal. This is uh, the segment that gives us an opportunity to ask, what's the deal? Um, I've got one national and one michigan related what's the deal this week um i'll i'll go ahead and lead off with uh mine so you know this is something that's been around for years but it's starting to get to the point where I, i i just gotta ask what's the deal so the sec scheduling november fcs opponents like what is the deal with that Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I know as a Michigan fan, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you guys, you know, have this terrible non-conference schedule. And well, let me just say, UConn is is bowl eligible. So, you know, that game has turned around a lot. They're, they're They're at least they're FBS teams, right? Like they're in our division and... I, you know as a Michigan fan like this is literally the first year in 20 years we haven't had like a really powerful non-conference schedule the sec does this every single year late in november when you when you see teams going up against uh conference opponents like uh e- you know even like like maryland and illinois like these are teams that are starting to figure it out in conference play right they become they become a little more difficult to to knock off late in the season they're really tough games to win. And the SEC basically has a bye week. You know, LSU played UAB. Alabama played Austin P, right? And these are teams that, like, everybody's fighting to get into the playoff. And and th- those are the matchups that they're playing late in November. Like, wh- what is the deal with that?
0: I could honestly uh, not really explain that to you, buddy. You know, you uh, and especially in a league where you're given uh credibility based on what you do at the end of the season you know what i mean so for them to just have these blank check marks um that just kind of fill space you know what i mean in place of of where normally like a big 10 team would be fighting like against like their rival at this point in the season or like the thick of a non-conference schedule it's just kind of a joke to me, you know what I mean? Especially with the heavy SEC bias of the eye test, or however you want to word it. You know what I mean? You look at LSU, who they're legitimately trying to uh, rank as as a, a playoff contender right now. You know, they are threatening. So I would not be surprised to see them slide in over uh, a Big Ten team, but... Who knows man it's just become a joke that SEC schedule in the second half of the year and I don't know hopefully it's something that get worked that works itself out in the new playoff format as more teams are included in in this
1: but who knows If you're going to play those games just play them earlier in the year I think I think November is really reserved for hard fought conference battles cuz everybody's trying to figure out who who's legit and who's not and it's it just it's the on, they're the only conference that does that they're the only made power five conference that does that and it's like we've just gotten so used to it it's like oh you know like so-and-so is playing umass this week and it's like what do you mean they're playing umass everybody has like tough conference matchups at this point so anyway there's my rant on that i'll, I'll rant every year until they change that um what you got for me
0: I got one and it is what is the deal with the Michigan student section? I mean, disgraceful, disgraceful students. I can't believe it. I tweeted something like start selling the tickets to the fans or the upper deck or something. You know what I mean? Maybe if you even just do it for one game, like they'll wake the hell up and like start showing to the games. But that game was like it got emptier as the game went on. You know what I mean? And uh, I saw some students try to, like, stand up for it on the Internet. Like, well, first of all, it's the week before Thanksgiving and it's cold. I'm like, bullshit, dude. You got to, like, support this team. You got to be out there causing havoc and false starts and yelling at people. Like, this is not acceptable for Michigan fans. What's the
1: deal? Yeah, so I've defended this in the past. Uh, you know, uh, Big Game Boomer always likes to give Michigan a hard time about their student section. That's kind of his thing. And I've always defended it because, mathematically speaking, Michigan's stadium is so large that their student section is way bigger than any other student section. And so there have been games where you see that top little sliver is empty because they all kind of push forward. And what I've always said in the past was, yeah, but the, the students that are in that section, that's more students than any other school, and any any you know, like if you put that in somebody else's stadium, it, it like fills up half the stadium, right? And so, normally, I kind of push back on that because I'm like, it's it's a little bit of an illusion. There's actually more Michigan students there than any other school has. But this game was was a little different. I agree. Uh, that student section was half empty. It was half empty. You got to sell those tickets to other fans because the big house sells out every single year, every single game. Uh, We're responsible for the highest attendance of any school, like 45 out of the last 47 years. And one of those was the COVID year, but we didn't even have people in the stands. So for all practical purposes, Michigan has indefinitely been the highest attended place. Uh, The big house has been the highest attended place, but- but yeah, man, I, I agree with you. What is the deal? Like, it Either either sell more of those tickets to the public and, and figure out how many students are actually going to show up, or what would be even better is, uh, let's just fill, you know, students, fill it up. All right, I'm going to move on to my uh, Michigan-related what's the deal. And I will preface this by saying I love this guy. I love him. But... He's not going to avoid my criticism for the sake of, of the fact that I love him. Andrell Anthony. What is the deal, man? Like, what is the deal? Yeah, you, you are incredibly talented, uh, a bright young receiver. And, you know, I, I got I got to bring this up too. you're wearing the number one at the University of Michigan. You got to make some plays. Right, that number has forever been reserved for not just a good wide wide receiver, but a great wide receiver. We're talking about David Terrell, Derek Alexander, Anthony Carter, uh, Braylon Edwards, like the guy, the guys that wore that number. Um, it's a special number at Michigan, and if you're gonna wear that number, you got to show up like you did at Michigan State last year. Um, that play where J.J. McCarthy. Uh, thought he had a free play, which I, I still think was a free play. The, the Illinois guy jumped off sides. Every, every, like when I saw it, I said free play right away, like before before the play even got started. JJ aired it out, hit Andrell like in the hands. And and props to Andrell. He went up and he, he kind of looked like Braylon the way he went up and got his hands on the ball. And, and then he just whiffed, right? And I, I would give him a pass on that had he been making plays up until that point but he's been he's been really struggling all year when he's had he's had few opportunities but he's been struggling all year and that was his moment right that would have blown this game wide open and he dropped the ball andrell what is the deal my man
0: well mike you and i do share the same what's the deal this week and if uh, if anyone remembers from when we first started this show i have never really been in large part one of those justice for andrell guys you know what i mean i'm very happy for him he's a great receiver on this team a great young receiver on this team and i think that he has the capabilities to do amazing things you saw what he did last year against michigan state that said um he's been getting a lot of pull you know on this team uh and a lot of snaps And he hasn't really delivered in a big way um, when the ball is thrown his way. And I know like there's been overthrows and like some of them haven't been ideal, you know, but uh, star receivers find a way to make those plays and bring that stuff in when the ball is thrown their way. And for somebody that's gotten a lot of snaps, I just think that we're kind of forcing this thing a little bit when, you know, we we emptied a clip of stuff with like Roman Wilson uh, earlier this year against like Hawaii. And um, you got Cornelius Johnson, who's like a proven deep threat. You know what I mean? So I'm just, uh, what's the deal? You know what I mean? Like we've got some things that work. We've got some things that don't work. So let's stop forcing the things that don't work and start doing more of the things that do work. It's that simple
1: agreed my man agreed um and i'll be in the front row cheering as loud as i can for every single positive thing that andrell does i'm an andrell fan but uh at some point you know you get you got to make some plays well let's move on to pump the brakes pump the brakes gives us an opportunity to share a hot take with one another and you know if if I agree with your take, I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's just keep driving. But if I disagree, I get to say, pump the brakes. <laughs> I was a little late with my, my trigger finger on that, that audio effect. Sorry about that. It slipped. Um, and then uh, of course, you know, pump the brakes means, you know, not so fast, my friend in a, in a Lee Corso fashion, right? So I'll let you lead off with this week's pump the brakes.
0: That's right, Mike. And my first pump the brakes of this week is uh, going to regard one Mason Graham. And uh, I just, just watching this kid, you know what I mean? He is just so talented and so incredible. And uh, I think he has the ability to be as good or better than uh, a Mo Hurst level talent. So I'm just, I want to know if... Uh, some of the other Michigan fans are pumping the
1: brakes with me on that or if they're feeling the same way. So let let me get this clear because of the way you framed it. I want to make sure I I know what you're saying here. Are you just saying Mason Graham's a badass and should start and will be as good as Moe Hurst? I'm saying
0: Mason Graham will be as good or better than Moe Hurst by the time his
1: Michigan career has uh, come to an end here. Keep driving. Keep driving. Mason, the sky is the limit for, for Mason Graham. Honestly, the sky is the limit. He could be, and, and this is a, probably too bold of a statement, but I'm getting carried away. So I'm going to say it. He could be the best at that position that we've seen, right? Like he, he really could be the best. Um, now granted, there's been some fantastic defensive linemen at Michigan. So we're going to let Mason Graham earn it before we give him that honors, but that's a keep driving for me. Um, all right, heading to the national stage for my first Pump the Breaks. I believe that a two-loss team is going to make the playoffs this year for the very first time. I don't have a specific theory on exactly how that's going to happen, but after watching the games this week when I saw uh, the top four teams all struggle, we saw Tennessee go down, which we'll talk about shortly. We saw... Uh, USC struggling, and, and then you've got uh, some one-loss teams like Clemson that, that they're, you know, we saw North Carolina go down. That was a one-loss team that went down, and, and, and Clemson, you know, hasn't looked great. And so I, I, I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I believe this will be the year a two-loss team makes the playoff.
0: I am honestly going to keep driving with you on that, uh, on that, Mike. And honestly, you and I are of the same mindset because I'm believing the same thing. And I don't know if it aligns exactly with your pump the brake statement, but I'm going to, to just further elaborate and say that I don't believe, um, I still just, I don't believe that the loser of Michigan versus Ohio State. Let me rephrase. I believe that the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, if it's Ohio State, gets into to the college football playoff. I do not believe that a one loss Michigan will be granted a spot in the college football playoff, despite the fact that I do believe that they heavily deserve it, regardless of a loss at Ohio State.
1: I just wanted to hit you with a pump the brakes so I could uh, hear the car screech sound effect. Um, the, the, you said a lot of things there. So let me clarify what I'm pumping the brakes on. I actually think Michigan could lose this game and get in. And I didn't think that last week, but something about the way this week looked, I was like, okay, like there's a lot going on. So TCU could lose to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game, right? Clemson could lose to North Carolina. We've got teams like LSU and Alabama that are two-loss teams. LSU could easily get a third loss. Bama's not even going to play for a championship, that's a two-loss team. USC show yeah. The thing about USC is they don't have a defense and we saw what happened to Tennessee. T- Tennessee and USC have a lot of similarities in my opinion. And Tennessee can they can beat anybody, right? Uh, because, because of the way they play offense. USC is the same way. They could beat anybody. They could kind of lose to anybody too, right? Because they don't have a defense. And we saw that with Tennessee. Spencer Radler got a little hot with South Carolina. And Tennessee got, they got blown out. I think we could see that happen to USC. So now you're looking at Tennessee's got two losses. LSU's got two or three losses. Bama's got two, but they've, they haven't they have looked great. Clemson could have two. Uh, TCU could have two. So you got all these situations where it's like, if Michigan comes up and, and let's say they lose by single digits on the road against Ohio State and they don't look bad, they look good, right? Like it's one of those games where you can tell like, oh, both of these teams are good. Um, Michigan could get into the playoff for sure. They, they could. Uh, I, I highly agree with you, though, that Ohio State is much more likely. I've even said that on the pod before, right, is that they're going to give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt because of the the style of offense that they play. Yes. And uh, I, again, like, I think this Michigan team is so
0: deserving to be in the playoff, no matter what happens next week uh, in that rivalry matchup. But I just believe the, the committee, they're just clamoring to rank these teams like LSU and, and even USC who, if they are to win out in the PAC 12 and, maintain their their credibility as a one loss team that wins a conference championship i don't see a scenario where michigan gets in over them having won a conference championship you know so i just think that there's a lot of players that are are going to have an opportunity in conference conference championship play uh that michigan won't have regardless of how everyone's feeling right now so
1: i just hope above all else we're able to put Put that shit to bed next week. Well, and I think the reason, the reason I think that it's possible for Michigan and Ohio State to both get in and and maybe even probable is because we always think like, like what you just said is, is an astute observation, right? Like I agree with it. Like a, a conference champion USC probably gets ranked above the loser of that game, but. There might be two spots available, right? There, not just one. There might be two because if TCU does go down, if Clemson doesn't make a, a good a good argument to get in, if LSU is a three-loss team, then all of a sudden you could have Georgia, the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game, USC, or or like insert right if USC loses that insert like TCU right like, and then you could also have the loser of the Michigan Ohio State game. So we could drive ourselves crazy with it's these just scenarios. so much,
0: so much that can happen. It's just mind mind-boggling.
1: You can really wrap this up by just saying, "Just beat Ohio State, right? Just beat Ohio State." Um, all right. And so, wait, was that your? That was your second one, right? It kind of, you kind of, yeah, jumped off on on mine yes. there. Mine was so my,
0: this really the same, identical to yours. Only I added the the uh, additional twist that um the loser of that game will not get into the playoff just my my beliefs and my own personal
1: trauma with the college football playoff committee i mean they're gonna try to keep us out i i agree with that Or, or or try to keep the buckeyes out but it's just like you know at a certain point if these sec teams have three losses you know like lsu has three losses like they're you can't put a team like that in so um bama is just sitting there you know the the love child of the committee with two losses, and so I'm I'm hoping that that Bama doesn't sneak in over a one loss Michigan or Ohio State, but we'll see about that. So my final pump the brakes uh, take here is I believe that Ronnie Bell is going to be the player of the game against Ohio State.
0: Oh, I love it, uh, but I'm just I'm. Gonna pump the brakes. Give me the sound. I love it. I mean I, and it all just really depends on what your perception of uh of player of the game means because I do believe uh he has all the capability to go out there and like make a, a Braylon Edwards type like game winning uh like moment. Um but I just don't see it, you know, with the offense being what it is. Um, I think it'll just be a, a heavy dose of the run game, you know, and, uh, that's just what we've become accustomed to seeing, but I do, uh, I'll leave a slight bit on the brakes there for,
1: uh, for a Ronnie Bell spectacular, uh, moment that will be on a poster one day. Fair enough. Fair enough. You can love it and, and disagree with it. I mean, I think that's fair, right? Is like, we, we would all be happy if that were the case, but I, and and I think that's what that's why I chose this is because it is kind of a, a hot take based on the fact that a wide receiver on Michigan is is not, you know, necessarily the highest profile position right now. And for me it's that we 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 talk a lot about numbers and statistics and yards and touchdowns and wins and but really we watch these games for the narratives, right? The stories. It's not it's not really about the numbers. We use the numbers to tell the story and to me, on, on Michigan, there, there's no better story this year than Ronnie Bell, right? He, he, he comes out and shows that he's a spectacular player in the first game of the season last year, blows his ACL, and has to fight all the way back. Comes back this year and, and just, we, we've talked about it, right? Even on a team that hasn't had a lot of magic through the air, Ronnie Bell still manages to do something magical every game, and he comes up you know, as a, as a big impact player. I just believe that that, uh, you know, the the greatest ending to the Ronnie Bell story would would be to give him an Ohio State magical moment, you know, and, and so' I'm, I'm hanging on to the, to that idea that we're going to carry him off into the sunset after beating Ohio State. Uh, so, you know, I'll be happy either way, if, if we just win the game. Um, and I know Ronnie Bell would feel the same way, and he might he might be the one that throws a block. Right, that that opens up the play that wins the game, the way that he blocks. But um, I just have a little feeling he's going to do something special.
0: And honestly, uh, I'm glad you mentioned him again because we're almost doing him a disservice in not referencing that amazing punt return. I was such a fan when they threw him in at punt return because it got us down the field in a way that our offense was not getting us down the field, (laughs) for one thing. So uh yeah. he he picked up a lot of yards on, on that. I was just a huge fan. His ability to break the tackle is just huge. Racked up some uh some receiving yards as always and that huge punt return. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a game like that from him at the very least next week.
1: Yeah, and he uh we don't know the health of uh AJ Henning, and so he might be back there returning kicks or returning punts against Ohio State. Um And yeah, that's a little bit of the poetic justice of the whole Ronnie Bell saga, too, is he got hurt on a punt return, right? So seeing him back there doing that again, making plays, has been special. Um, Around the conference in the Big Ten, you know, we're getting to the point in the season where there's very few games that actually matter to us, right? At this point, Ohio State versus Michigan is all that matters. We saw Ohio State. um, Well, I shouldn't say that's all that matters. There's one other team that's helping us out out here, but... Ohio State damn near lost to Maryland. It was a three-point game at the. Or no, it was a three-point game. They pushed it to six points with a field goal. Uh, Maryland had an opportunity. Actually, they had the ball, and if they would have scored and got the extra point, they would have won that game. Um, which is exactly what we wanted to see. Was we wanted to see Ohio State struggle, have a long, hard-fought game, but win. And in my opinion, I almost never root for Ohio State to win. But given the circumstances of, of what the game means next week, I think them winning just helps us out. And then, uh, you know, the, the other team that's helping us out that I referenced is Penn State won 55-10 against Rutgers. And Penn State continues to be our, our biggest win up, up to this point. And they've been dominating everybody except for Michigan and Ohio State. And so we really want to see them with a ranking of like, eight or nine or you know like we want to see a single digit ranking next to penn state's name because that could be key to getting into the college football playoff if if we you know we stumble and and lose a close game to ohio state and so penn state's helping us out um anything else around the big 10 that that stuck out to you
0: um well two thoughts on uh the two teams that you just mentioned, uh, I watched the Ohio State and Maryland game all the way through, which I don't typically do. I'm usually just like a diehard Michigan fan. You know what I mean? I want, they're the only games that I can usually watch all the way through, uh, unless there's like some huge, um, repercussions as a result of, uh, the game. But, um I thought it was a great back and forth game. Credit to Talia uh, uh, He just did amazing lighting up the Buckeyes. Uh showed a lot of a lot of vulnerabilities, you know, but also a big thing I took away from that is that uh third supposed third string running back on uh, on the Buckeyes is very good and that'll be a guy that they need to watch film on. Um I think he racked up like 140 yards. Two touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, but he was a threat. So I know he'll be one that there's not a lot of tape on that, uh, that Michigan will be paying close attention to over the next week. And then Penn State, I'm just glad that that's a team that we don't have to play again because they are just peaking on all cylinders, um, just keeping all of their, uh, their, high clout alive uh, for a good a good finishing spot in a new york six new year's six bowl hopefully or something like that but they uh they are fighting hard and just proven that they are dominating every team aside from um, michigan and ohio state and also uh look at michigan state losing terribly to indiana i couldn't get away from not talking about that so like, right now, I'm a horse shit football coach right now. He is a horse shit football coach, isn't he? I mean, just look at it. Uh, it's a, just a terrible, terrible record, terrible display of football this year, and terrible sportsmanship. I got nothing good to say about him, and
1: hopefully they make some changes in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what their record is right now, but they got to have six or seven losses, right? Like, I've just based on what I've seen. Um, it was so nice to see them blow that lead to Indiana. That was that was beautiful. And then, um, you know, the other point to kind of note is, I think Iowa's gonna find their way back into the Big Ten championship game. I'm starting to feel like Iowa is, and that's wild to me. They they knocked off Minnesota 13 to 10. Uh, the Big Ten West is like, you need like a whiteboard and like a mathematician to even figure out like who like. How the Big Ten West is going to shake out? I I remember there's a point coming into this week where none of them controlled their own destiny, but like five of them could still win the the division. But I just think that Iowa's going to get back there. Um, so that's just something you know something that's there uh, around the country. Uh, I think the biggest thing that 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 happened story wise is Tennessee got exposed and theoretically that should degrade the you know it, it should have a trickle down effect right because everybody was talking about tennessee you know after tennessee beat bama it, it like they they got s- credit for that strength and they moved up and lsu and georgia and everybody you know there's this like these tiers of of wins and losses and then you see it you know south carolina was not on anybody's radar as a special team, right? It, in fact, you could put South Carolina. You know, m- people on ESPN aren't going to do this, but I think it's fair to say South Carolina is in the same category as a Maryland or an Illinois, right? They're kind of a a middle of the conference good team. Um, this is this is an example of what what ha- what can happen when an SEC team is not playing an FCS school in mid-November, right? When you're playing a a six and four South Carolina, you know, it, it, a lot of times these teams get exposed and, and Tennessee got exposed. Uh, USC almost lost a hard fought game against UCLA. And, and uh, I've got some thoughts about the style of play, but, but let me, let me just get your kind of take on Tennessee and then what what's going on uh, nationwide outside of the big 10 right now.
0: Well, you know that I've been the biggest Tennessee hater uh, this entire season, so I was super happy to see them get lit up by uh, South Carolina. I mean, um, really not even just so much uh, on their account, but just for the SEC, just because it's the same stuff, you know, that everybody always uh, tries the Big Ten with every year about how like the Big Ten um is like how teams will just come out of nowhere and give other teams a hard time, you know what I mean? So it's the same stuff that everybody always picks on uh the Big 10 about, uh these sneak from behind teams giving higher level teams problems. And uh and they got exposed. They didn't come out on the positive side of it much like a a Big 10 Ohio State or Michigan that would come out with the win at the end of the game. You know what I mean? They got lit up. They got exposed. Uh, The committee will probably slot them somewhere ridiculous to kind of keep their uh, arguments alive. But,
1: you know, uh, Tennessee, I think, is is done for. I think the the thing, you know, you mentioned the committee and where they're going to fall. The thing to keep your eye on is, do they keep Tennessee above Penn State, right? Because that would be... It would be absolutely just tragically wrong based on resume to do that. But if they do, then it just it just shows you that once again, they, they are they just refuse to, to rank a Big Ten team above a, sim, a similar SEC team. And really, they're not even similar, right? Because Penn State is taking care of business every week and playing defense and offense. And the, their only two losses are to Michigan and Ohio State, both top three teams. Up until this week, you could say, "Well, Tennessee's only loss is you know to Georgia," and so like that was fair, right? Even though they weren't playing defense, it was fair. But now that they've been completely exposed against a, a mid team, um, you can't keep them above Penn State. So if if you see Tennessee come in at eight or nine, then then it, the the game is just rigged at that point. It's just rigged. Uh, but if you see them come in at twelve or thirteen, then it's like okay, okay, like they've they've adjusted they've they've done what they should um so that's interesting and and the the point that so the the epiphany that i had while i was watching you know the tennessee game late and the usc game late is let me start this by saying i i don't envy their positions i would much rather be where michigan is at undefeated but my god man Watching those passing games and those receivers going up and making plays, and the quarterback slinging it. Watching USC versus UCLA, and they're just slinging it all over the field. And I'm thinking, like Michigan is a is a top program. Why can't we have that? You know, you know it's and it's wild. And I get that our identity is different, and and we're gonna we're gonna land in and recruit the best offensive linemen the best defensive linemen we're going to win in the trenches which is why typically we're going to have a better record than some of these teams that don't don't focus on defense as much but but in order for michigan to really take the next step and to be a perennial powerhouse we've got to be able to throw the rock around and, and get you know I, I just regularly watch these teams get three four five hundred yards passing and i'm like man michigan doesn't even get half that you know and so it it, it's interesting i don't know how to recruit wide receivers you know big tall athletic wide receivers to michigan because how at this point how do you even get a receiver to commit you know a five-star receiver how do you get a guy like that to commit and so i don't know matt do you think that there's a way out of this we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves into this identity do you think there's a way out I
0: think it uh it just kind of comes back I mean my opinion is is just more of what I was saying you know I think that they've been forcing too many plays with too many players uh with that just aren't working right now and that's not a testament to how good or bad anybody is you know what I mean but like I said like there was plenty of stuff that we were doing with Roman Wilson that was very creative earlier in the season that uh, I would love to see more of. Cornelius Johnson has always been a deep threat. You know what I mean? So, and that's just kind of disappeared. Where has he been? You know, how many snaps is he getting? Because he's a reliable guy that, like, I know that can catch the football if you just throw it to him deep. So... I think that uh, that they might, I don't know if they're just trying to get too cute with it sometimes or what the deal is, but I think that it just kind of comes back down to simplifying it a little bit. You know, you can have a good run game and pound the rock with Coram and Edwards and C.J. Stokes all day long, but there's also plenty of meat on the bone, and you heard Ronnie Bell mention this in his postgame clip. Uh, that can be had for these receivers. There's plenty of plays that are getting drawn up,
1: you know. It doesn't just have to be running. There's plenty of stuff there for us. I think what our saving grace could ultimately end up being is J.J. McCarthy and Jaden Davis, right? Because the one thing that can get five-star receivers or four-star, you know, I I hate to always use the term five-star because we know that sometimes the the stars don't matter. But to get the premier wide receivers to commit to the University of Michigan, you got to have premier quarterbacks, right? And Jaden Davis hasn't committed yet or anything like that, but it, it appears as though we might be the leader for him. And J.J. McCarthy may have two more years, maybe one more year, depending on how he plays next year. Um, so that could be our saving grace. to, Because to, I, I think we would all agree it would be fun to see a 150-yard wide receiver and a 350-yard quarterback, right? Like, I, I, I love a run game and a solid defense and all of that. But, but man, it would be fun to be able to utilize that when, when the game dictates that that's the right way to go. Um, all right, man. So, you know, North Carolina fell. Clemson looked pretty dominant. Bama and LSU uh, beat up some cupcakes. All top four teams, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU escaped with uh, less impressive victories than we're used to. And it all kind of sets up for next week, November 26th, 2022. The day on the calendar we've all had circled, an undefeated Michigan versus an undefeated Ohio State. Everything on the line. How you feeling about next week?
0: I'm feeling good, you know, I um I'm not taking anything away from this last game. I think it's it's a week where everybody struggles or at least everybody struggles that plays at least a mediocre opponent. Um uh, it's a hard week for them. You know, you're looking ahead to way more important games on the horizon over the next few weeks. It's impossible to do, you know. So um I don't take much away from it. On top of that, Illinois was just a slugfest—an identical mirror image team of Michigan, only perhaps with a little bit less talent um, on uh, on each side of the ball, but almost identical. So I'm not surprised that we struggled with them. I think it will will be back to business next week with a lot of familiar faces that uh, that are returning from injury. And you know I've been paying attention to uh, to the Buckeyes the last couple weeks, and they look very much beatable. I know it's stuff that Jim Harbaugh's been paying attention to. Um, I'm I'm a little caught off guard by uh, by um, the running back. His name escapes me, but he had a big game yesterday against Maryland. But he concerns me a little bit because before I, I felt confident in the matchup with the running game with Travion Henderson, but. We'll see what kind of uh, struggles he brings. But overall, Mike, I'm feeling good about this game with Ohio State. I think it's going to be very close, uh, very down to the wire. But uh, I think uh, we're going to come out on top.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to come out on top every single year. And and given the history of this rivalry recently, I've been disappointed more times than I've been uh, pleased with the outcome but we are the defending big 10 champs. We did beat them last, last uh, year. We are undefeated and you know, Michigan's going to come out on top because we, we are the good guys. We deserve to win that. That's, that's all, that's all there is to it. And I'm not going to give you a, a score prediction. I'm never going to really do a score prediction for Ohio state because that that, that's what we do for Indiana and Illinois and Maryland. We have, to, we have to guess the score and talk about all these other little wrinkles. But it doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter how many yards this guy has or that guy has. All that matters in this game is that we just beat Ohio State. That's all that matters. This is what it's all about. It's the greatest rivalry in all of sports. And this year will be one of the greatest matchups we've ever seen. I'm incredibly excited. Um, we've run out of time, so we're. Not, I don't think we're really going to get to basketball uh, for this episode. Let, we we can start to talk talk a little bit about basketball. We had a Frankie Collins kind of got the last word on 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 us. Uh, we we dropped a game. We're three and one. We'll recover. We've got a, a game later today that we'll talk about. So we'll get into basketball next week. Um, my name is Michael Smeltzer. You can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. You can also uh, get on my website, Wolverinechronicle.com. Matt, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter as well at Maze Crusader or uh, my
0: website where I'm frequently writing content at MazeCrusader.com.
1: All right, man. Let's, uh, let's beat these fucking Buckeyes and show them. Show them what we're made of. I I really hope that next week when you and I get on, we're in a good mood. Uh, If not, we might have to just have a little therapy session together for a little while. Um, Thank you, as always, for carving out some time to to do the show. It's it's always a bright spot of my week. And uh, as always, go blue. Go blue.